Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, a show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Happy Friday. It's Friday. Friday. Hey, we missed a birthday, and we, we got to fix that. We we're going to fix that right now. We, we repent. We're going to quit the podcast. This is our last episode. That's a lot. Unacceptable. Never letting this happen again. And in order to ensure that it never happens again, we're never doing the podcast again. I, I mean, I, I don't know if I'd go that far. Anyways, happy birthday, Hannah Bersenio. Hannah. So sorry. We're thankful for you. Mea culpa. And we apologize that we did not... Uh, wish you a happy birthday on the podcast but happy birthday happy belated 11 11 years 11 old. Teen. 11 teen. 11 teen. yeah <laughs> it's only uphill from here it is it is uphill that's a good thing though right that's a weird statement i always used to think when people were like it's downhill from here i'm like yes that's good right but it's not good not when you're aging yeah <laughs> you, you peak at some point right and then there is a sense in which you I don't know, man. I, it's, it's, it's hard. Aging, aging is difficult. And I know people, when I say this, people are like, oh, but you guys are still so young. And I'm like, ah, yes. I, I guess in some sense, to young to some people. Right. Old, very old to others. I think about my own kids, a student ministry. I look around and all these young faces and I'm like, man, get off my lawn and let me tell you about how life works. Right. <laughs> Right, but but who who decided that? Like, I I get it. Like uh, the the God did the rock crest the hill and it starts rolling downhill. Like it's all downhill from here. It's like there's no stopping it. But in no other context is downhill a bad thing. Like you're hiking downhill, good. <laughs> you you you're driving your car downhill, good. You get to let your foot off the gas and, and conserve fuel. By no, there's always downhill. a police trap. Yeah. Beware the police trap. Someone's over there sitting waiting for That's you. That's what I said. Let off the gas, not not slam I the gas slam it and i'm yeah, go on the downhill fast, you're like i'm going faster i mean when you're on a bike right and you're riding and you try to get as much speed as you can yeah That's again downhill part. good on a bike i think we should change things i think when it's bad we should say it's all uphill from here mm. yeah i see that but it's it's not when it comes to the aging process i mean it's it's not bad right it's good and you're saying i'm confused now uphill's no, good but the statement it's all downhill from here implies it's bad. Yeah. It's getting worse. Right. And I'm saying that makes no sense because mm. downhill is, is always preferable to uphill. We'll have to do some investigation to find out the origin. Right. Cause speaking of, of the older generations, nobody said, dude, I had to walk downhill both ways in the snow to get to school. It was always, I had to walk uphill both ways. Why? Because uphill is harder. No one likes to go uphill. Yeah. And so I think as a society, we failed with that expression. I think we well, need to repent <laughs> and we should change it from here on out. I'm declaring from now on, it's all downhill from here, which is a good thing. Man, do you know the powers you get when you're a lead pastor? <laughs> I just didn't realize that the yeah, territory comes with all these things. You there's make a, a class. There's, cl- there's a class. There's a card. You get to make up headings in your Bible. Yep. I mean, I just, I covet that power, yeah. bro. Well, you get it when you go get your driver's license. You know, they're asking oh. you all those questions. One of them happens to be, do you happen to be a lead pastor? And if you check yes, you go in the SPAC room and they give mm. you a secret card. And secret I said handshake. too much already. I need to stop. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, hey, we should get into Jeremiah. It's sounding a lot like Mormonism over here. Yikes. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 20, 21 and 22. And then tomorrow we only have two chapters in Jeremiah, 23 and 24. And 24 is chapters. a wee chapter. It's a 24 a, is a wee little chapter. It's a Zacchaeus chapter. And a wee little chapter was he. Yeah. 
But hey, chapter 20, we have here, I, I, here you go. I've summarized it. Ready? My title for chapter 20? Summarization or a title? An Both. inspired title. Both. Not inspired. Uh, the Conflicted Prophet is what I titled this one. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. I see that. Yeah, because he's being persecuted right off the bat by All this guy up. named Pashur, and uh, he is beating beating him. Talk about persecution. I mean, this is this is quite intense. And, uh, and I think it, things were different back then, though. You know, it's like you, you kind of you get what you deserve. You pull somebody off to the side, just beat him, and it, then you're, I feel like there's times where that's warranted. Okay. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I wouldn't recommend it for anybody. To I'm be saying like, you do it every oh, day, but. This guy was probably the keeper of the peace. And he's like, dude, your disturbance, you're, you're, you're causing problems. I need to teach you a lesson. Yeah. I mean, certainly we saw that with the apostle Paul, right? I mean, Paul was right. apprehended by the authorities and they were about to beat him. And he said, Hey, do you do this with Roman citizens? And yeah, so it was a different time for sure. But nonetheless, I mean, this is, he's being beaten for obeying God. It, this is persecution that's come from him carrying God's message. And, uh, and, and, it, that's the the frustrating thing. The the Lord then responds through the prophet after this to reveal what he's going to do. And, and these false prophets that were prophesying peace when God was prophesying judgment, uh, they would be shown to be false prophets because God was revealing that he was going to bring Babylon. And here we have the first mention of Babylon in the book. Uh, and that shows up in verse four of chapter 20. I, I was curious. And so I, I searched in the, the word Babylon or the name Babylon shows up 171 times in the book of Jeremiah. Wow. But the first occurrence is not until right here in chapter 20, verse four. So that means in the next 32 chapters, there's 170 mentions, mentions of Babylon from here on out. Which is interesting given that the book is not chronologically listed. I mean, we have different chapters, obviously, 19, 20, 21. That's chronological. But the content is, it seems to be compiled, not chronologically, but maybe theologically or categorically. So it's interesting that all those just kind of handed, kind of the compressed in one smaller section yeah yeah it is and it also gives us a, a, a clear picture as to what the rest of the book is going to be largely dealing with well yeah the, the the lack of clarity from hey there's judgment coming from the north now to hey it's babylon it's babylon yeah yeah, yeah like let's be specific here uh, and then we get into to jeremiah's conf- conflict here and, and that is that he wants to quit and yet we see that here in, in verse nine. If I say, I'm not going to mention him or speak his name anymore. He's, he's saying, I, I, I can't help, but prophesy what God wants me to prophesy. And, and yet there's the persecution. So verse 11, he knows the Lord is with him as a dread warrior. His persecutors are going to stumble. They're not going to overcome. But then verse 14 through 18, we come back to this Job theme where Jeremiah is saying, cursed be the day on which I was born, the day which my mother bore me, let it not be blessed. So again, we, we have to remember this is not, somebody that's writing these things in a vacuum. Jeremiah was not in some ivory tower somewhere penning these theological treatises against the people of Israel and mailing them off to a people in a distant land. He was living this. He was living with the people that he was pronouncing judgment upon on behalf of God, and they didn't like it. And, uh, and, and here we see some of Jeremiah's heart just wrestling with this, uh, this role that God had given him. Comment on verse seven was Jeremiah deceived by God or is this Jeremiah complaining? I, I I don't think Jeremiah was deceived by God. I don't think we can charge God with deceiving and deception. I, I think that would Jeremiah be, does. Right. And I think he's wrong. Um, I, yeah. The doctrine of the inspiration of scripture does not mean that everything in the Bible is true when we read something like this, but it means that everything in the Bible is what God wanted written down in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the things that are true are things that are, are 
are true about God and his character. And we know that God is not a God of lies, but a God of truth. And so when we read something like this, this was truly how Jeremiah felt. This is not a, a, a an erroneous depiction of Jeremiah's attitude or heart here, but this is not a true statement that he makes that God was deceiving him any more than it was when Job uttered things that were not true of what God was doing to him in the book of Job. Is it commendable that Jeremiah communicates this to God? Or should we express a little more caution when we're having difficulties? I, I think when we charge God with wrongdoing, we've crossed a, a big line there. I don't think when we've charged God with something like deception or uh, ill motives or uh, or evil or wrong, um, I, I think we've crossed a line. I think honesty is helpful, um, but I do think there's 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 a balance that needs to be struck there. This is, we, it's one of our distinctives. We strive to maintain a high view of God. Um, we have to be respectful in how we address him. And so even when we are addressing him in our angst and in our uh, frustration and in our sorrow and in our despair, we have to remember that he is still the God of creation, the God of the universe. And we are not to put him in the, 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 the docket, so to speak, uh, to say, God, justify yourself and why you're doing these things. We can tell him, God, I'm, I'm frustrated. God, I'm, I'm angry. God, I'm upset. God, I'm, I'm sorrowful. But I think we always have to come back like the psalmist does to the truth about who God is and his character, his sovereignty and, and our, our anchored trust in him. Great. Yeah. Chapter 21 summary here is basically God is saying to uh, Jerusalem through Jeremiah that he is going to fight for Babylon here. And, uh, and this is, uh, this would be a, a, at best a troubling uh, thing for them to hear. But one note here, this Pashur in uh, chapter 21, verse one, different than the Pashur in chapter 20. So this was uh, not a common name for us today, but it was a common name back then. And we know this because they're the son of different people um, as they are, are described there. The son of Emer uh, in chapter 20, verse one here, he's the son of uh, Malchiah and they have different roles. So um, this is a different Pashur that we see here in chapter 21 than it is in chapter 20. And that's and why it's even another one too. Right. In the book, there's right. three mentions of an, three Pashurs. Yeah. So common name. If you're out there and you're pregnant and you're listening to this, maybe this is a name that you could throw out there. No, man. These guys don't seem like great guys. They're, they're not. There's better, better people for you to name uh, your kids after. But God is going to uh, turn back the weapons of war that are in the hands of Jerusalem. He says in verse chapter or chapter uh, 21 verse three, he's going to, uh, give them into the hand of the King of the Babylonians. I will fight against you with an outstretched hand and a strong arm in anger and fury and great wrath. So as God had promised to fight for his people in the past, now he is promising that he will fight against his people. And then he gives them, uh, an ultimatum here. He says, you have a choice here. If you remain behind, you're going to die. You're going to perish, or you can go into captivity. Um, these are, are not great choices, either one. Uh, they didn't want to leave uh, their, their homeland. They didn't want to go into exile. I think sometimes we romanticize things when we think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel, and we kind of think, oh man, how awesome was that? And they got to see God do incredible things. Let's not forget that they had everything about their identity stripped away from them, including their names by the Babylonian people. They were away from the temple. They had no tangible way to uh, continue their relationship with God aside from Dan. We know that Daniel would pray um, to the Lord and, and seek him him in, in prayer, but they, the, the sacrifice, it was all gone. So going to, into captivity was not like the, the cushy choice between these two things, but God is saying, these are the two things that are going to happen. Either you're going to stay behind, you're going to perish, or you're going to go into captivity. Um, and, and those are your choices here. I see mercy in this. God's giving them an out. 
granted it's not a good out it's not like oh yeah this is an amazing choice i can't wait to go into captivity but it is a way that god says look here is what repentance would look like here is what it would look like to say okay god you're right i'm wrong i'm going to agree that the right thing for me to do is to humble myself and give myself over to the enemy rather than stay behind and try to fortify myself against said enemy I'm going to do what you say. Yeah. Mercy. Yeah. And, and that's going to come out even more. I can't remember if it's later on. I think it's tomorrow's reading um, where we're, we're given that, that ultimatum again, where he talks about those that would stay behind and ultimately trust in foreign nations versus those that would go into, into captivity. So yeah, there, there is some mercy there. I just want us to realize that this is not like a, a get out of jail free card for those that are going to go into captivity. This is still judgment um, to, to go and be taken away. Yeah, mercy through judgment. Indeed. Yeah. Well, the rest of, of chapter 21 flows into chapter 22 here, and this is essentially, it's interesting because God is confronting Israel, I believe, uh, for their trust in the Davidic kings rather than in the God of the Davidic kings. So he's indicting these different Davidic kings that reign towards the end of the southern kingdom, and he's uh, he's calling them out for their sin and pronouncing woe, pronouncing judgment upon them um, as he goes through there, and he's revealing how these kings had failed and uh, in, in calling them out for their failure in part of the Davidic covenant that was, we talked about this uh, a couple episodes ago, that the, the promise that that there would be a king who would reign forever and ever. That's the unconditional nature of the Davidic covenant. But there was a conditional element to the Davidic covenant. That is that the king should seek the Lord and, 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 and walk in accordance with the Lord's uh, commands. And as long as they did that, they would have a man on the throne. This is a failure. And God is calling their attention to that saying, Hey, look at these Kings and you've put, your trust in these kings and and not in me and continuing to trust these kings is, is not going to go well for you uh, because judgment was coming because of their failures. And so this is an example of the, the abdication of Israel's responsibility when it came to the Davidic covenant. Right. And they met, and this is part of the reason why God judged them. It was their failure. Again, as the leader goes, so goes the people, the Davidic kings failed, the people followed their failure. And consequently, all you have is an ongoing uh, endless cycle of sin and punishment that God uh, and eventually pours out upon them. So yet again, I want to remind you, pray for your leaders. So important. I mean, even we talked about this in, in Second Timothy, First um, Timothy, but Second Timothy as well, I guess we'll get into this. The idea about praying for our leaders, whether they're Davidic kings or whether they're your presidents, whether they're your mayors, whether they're your uh, your pastors, obviously, please pray for your pastors. Please pray for us. But there is a good and righteous care for the leadership of the country, the leadership of your people in order that we might live a, a peaceful, godly life. Yeah. And, and in fact, we're going to be talking about that this Sunday a little bit. One of our uh, our first point this Sunday is going to be pray for the revival of North Texas. And part of praying for revival here is involves praying for our leaders. And because in that passage, when he says that we might live a quiet and godly life, the whole point there is that the gospel might go forth more effectively, right. that the church might be more effective and unhindered. Um, and so, yeah, that, that does factor in. And, and we'll be talking about that a little bit this weekend. Yeah, chapter 21, chapter 22, kind of tied together there. The end is uh, focused on the failures of the Davidic king. But let's turn over to 2 Timothy chapter 1 for our New Testament reading today. I like 2 Timothy. Probably the last book that Paul wrote, the last letter. Yep, yep. And it went to one of his favorite people. Yeah. I wonder if they just hang out together like every day in heaven. I wonder. I can't wait to figure that out. Yeah. Like, are they buds? Because we don't, I don't think Timothy was married. We know Paul wasn't married, right? Peter was married because Peter had a mother-in-law. Mm-hmm. But I mean, if, if they're 
They're just best buds. If they were kingdom singles on earth and they don't have those close ties in heaven, yeah, they may just be hanging out together. Yeah. Who Interesting. Knows? It is. Hey, Second Timothy chapter 1, though, Paul is uh, addressing his young protege, his uh, apprentice in the faith, if you will. And uh, one thing that it's a note here, parents, moms, grandmas listening to this is just the, the impact of a godly upbringing that we see right off the bat here as he is thanking God for Timothy. And he reminds uh, Timothy of his own sincere faith, or he says, I am reminded of your sincere faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and then your mother Eunice, and now it dwells in you. So uh, parents, it, the, your your influence on your kids and their standing in Christ can be massive. And it was for Timothy here, and, and Paul's re- recollecting that even though Paul would call Timothy his own child. And so there's some question, you know, did, did Paul close the deal, so to speak, with Timothy as far as leading him to faith and repentance? Or was this more of just his his personal relationship as we were just alluding to? Um, it, Paul has no doubt in his mind that, that Lois and Eunice both had a remarkable impact on young Timothy. I think I'm encouraged too that dad's not mentioned. I don't know anything about Timothy's dad. Yeah. Which there's a lot of families where the father is not present for this reason or that and doesn't matter to go into the details, but you get the idea here that God used a godly grandma, a godly mom, and Timothy's upbringing. I'm sure that he had people around him that made this make sense, but Paul lays the the credit at mom and grandma. What yeah. an incredible encouragement. Don't ever look down on the fact that some of us, as uh, our old pastor used to say, are, are parenting with one hand tied behind our back. Yeah. God can overcome those limitations and still bring about great good. Yeah. And, and if you're out there listening to this and you're like, well, I, I, we don't have kids yet or I'm single at this stage of my life. Hey, look, you have a role to play in this too. Uh, it, it, Hillary Clinton is not the first person to say it takes a village. So I know that she hijacked that phrase, but that phrase has been around for, for eons because of the truth that it communicates. And so maybe we need to say it takes a church instead of it takes a village, but it, it really does. Like it takes it, village church. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> but it, it, we are a family as the body of Christ. And there's, I want my kids around other godly men and women who are going to set examples for them and encourage them and teach them the same things about Jesus that they're learning at home to silo ourselves and cut ourselves off from that influence does more harm than it does good. Um, we can uh, make sure that our, our kids are having these truths reinforced and, uh, and that they're learning and growing growing all, all the more as, as they're spending time around other godly believers in the church. Amen. And, and that, that goes for another group of people that I'm really concerned about. There's a group of people in our churches that tend to leave because they don't like certain climates and they don't like certain this or that. And uh, I'm just going to call I'm going to put it out there, man. Uh, there's older folks who just say, you know what? I'm going to go retire in this, this state. I'm going to be on this place because the weather is, is accommodating and yada, yada, yada. There's, there's good reasons. I'm not going to say that there's no, there's no good weight to that. But man, the church needs different saints. It's old saints and, and young saints and, you know, black and white and everything else in between saints. The church is to be made up of a, of a larger body of believers from all walks and stages of life. And man, please don't leave your church. Yeah. Now, if you're going to do that, please do so very thoughtfully, very prayerfully and with an abundance of counselors. Amen. Amen. hundred percent on that. As he continues on, notice uh, Paul is telling Timothy not to be ashamed. And uh, I, I, I was <laughs> strangely encouraged by this because it seems like you're ashamed t- lately. No, but it seems like Timothy may have been bashful about mm. um, the gospel some. And here you have Paul who was imprisoned for the gospel, who's telling Timothy, hey, don't ever be embarrassed by the gospel of Christ. Yeah. Uh, you need to be bold and confident in these things um, because this is what's true and, and because of what he's come to do. And so we need to, we to stand confident in this. And, and so Christian, if you're out there and you've been like, man, I, I've, yeah, I've, I've been there. I've struggled with the fear of man and having a conversation with my neighbor about the gospel or boss, coworker, whoever it may be, 
Paul's words to you this this morning or whenever you're listening to this through this letter to Timothy would be, don't be ashamed of Christ. Be bold, be willing to, to identify with him. In fact, Jesus himself said, hey, if anyone's ashamed of me, then I'm going to be ashamed of him when I come with my angels in glory. Now, that's, scary. that's taking it to the, the furthest extent of saying I refuse to identify with Christ at all. I don't want him anything to do with him. But for us, we need to tremble at that a little bit, too. But I love what Paul says there about his confidence uh, in verse 12. He says, I'm not ashamed for I know. And, and, and this is the, the word that I remember probably a, a dozen years ago or so just jumped off the page and hit me in the face because, man, oh, I, I, I went to a private Christian school growing up. I went to the master's college. I went to Dallas Seminary. I went back to the master's seminary. And so, so much of my life has been all about doctrine and theology and when you get here with Paul saying, I'm, I'm not ashamed for I know it, th- that that part of me says, say what, Paul? Say what? Say, I, I know what I have believed. Um, but Paul says, I know whom I have believed. Paul's confidence in his standing and where he's at in life has everything to do with a person, not a doctrine. Now, is doctrine important? 100%, no doubt about it, because we don't know anything about the person without the doctrine. But doctrine that doesn't pr- produce devotion is devoid of any power to do anything in our lives. And, and Paul here, we see his devotion to the person of Jesus Christ, not just the content of the doctrine or the knowledge. That's who he used to be in Judaism. Now in Christ, he is confident in Jesus instead. Amen. Yeah. So I'm going to like that. <laughs> Like, um, oh man, I hope that day never comes that we have some way for people to come up and like give us a, a thumbs up in real life digitally somehow. Dude, those Apple uh, glasses. Yeah. I'm confident that's going to be part of it. Like a, 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 f- a haptic buzz on our phone. If yeah, somebody, like, oh, someone likes my shoes. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. Oh man. So anyways, Christian, be confident in whom, not, not just the what, but in the whom, let the what drive you to the whom this week. Mm-hmm. Um, because that will, that's the power to change and transform lives is Jesus. So uh, yeah, it takes a church to, uh, to raise up godly believers and it takes a, the church to go out on the mission for, for Jesus to let people know about him and the good news. And so let's be about that this week, church. That's right. We'll catch you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. See ya. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org. And we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Daily Bible Podcast.